Hey there, educational rock stars. Are you feeling overwhelmed with lesson planning for your English language learners? Well, I've got some exciting news for you. Introducing our upcoming free webinar, Simplify Your Approach, Three Time-Saving Routines for ELL Success. Join me for a power-packed 45 minutes that's set to revolutionize your teaching strategy. In this webinar, we'll dive into three practical, easy-to-implement routines that will not only enhance your ELL teaching methods, but also save you hours of planning time. Yes, hours. So whether you're a seasoned pro or just starting out, these insights are tailored to help everyone make the most of their teaching time. Plus, you'll leave this webinar ready to implement these routines the next day. So mark your calendars for our two upcoming dates. I don't want you to miss this opportunity to transform your ELL lesson planning. To reserve your spot, simply sign up at www.equippingells.com slash routines. Trust me, your future self will thank you for it. I'll see you at the webinar. Teaching ELL students is a privilege and a joy. Is it easy? No way. But with the right support, you can feel empowered to tackle each day with ease and confidence. I'm your host, Beth Boucher, founder of Inspiring Young Learners. With over 10 years of teaching both nationally and internationally, I know what it takes to ensure that your ELL students have what they need to thrive today, tomorrow, and for life. I'm on a mission to empower you to equip your English language learners. Welcome to Equipping ELLs. Let's get to today's episode. Hey there, you are in for an absolute treat today. I have my very good friend, Sarah Mari from the Stellar Teacher Company joining us today. She is an expert in all things literacy. And today we're really going to dive in and she's sharing with us so many little pieces of nuggets of wisdom all about language comprehension and the science of reading. And we're specifically going to take a glance and go in depth on what that looks like in the classroom, and especially with our older students. So this episode was so packed, and we had so much fun talking about this topic that we actually are splitting it into two episodes. So today you'll hear part one, and then make sure to stay tuned for next week to hear part two. You will not want to miss this. Hey, Sarah, welcome to the show. I'm so, so excited to have you here today. Hey, Beth. Thanks for having me. This is going to be an episode that you all will want to listen to over and over and over again. Sarah is just an incredible wealth of knowledge and is here to share with us about all things really literacy, science of reading, and most importantly, language comprehension is the topic we're going to be hitting on today, which is so crucial for our English language learners. So we're going to dive in because we have a lot to cover, but I just want to share, I wanted you to share briefly, Sarah, a little bit about your teaching experience and share with our listeners a little bit more about you. 
Absolutely. So I am Sarah Marie, and I am the creator behind the Stellar Teacher Company. And I am also the host of the Stellar Teacher Podcast. And I love connecting with other education podcasters. And actually, Beth was one of my very first guests on my podcast. So I'm so excited that I now get to be a guest on her podcast. When I worked in a school setting, I probably worked in an actual school building for, golly, I think like close to 15 years, which feels like a long time. But (laughs) during the course of that time, I worked as a first grade teacher, a second grade teacher, a fourth grade teacher. I spent time working as a literacy coach, and I ended sort of my time working in a school setting as an assistant principal. And so I've experienced just a lot in the education setting. And I really appreciate that I had the opportunity to have such a wide sort of professional experience because it gave me such a good perspective on the entire education experience. But for the last couple of years, I have been working full-time in my business, you know, creating curriculum for upper elementary reading teachers and offering professional development to teachers through my podcast. I also have a reading membership site where teachers get access to resources and we give them, again, the professional development, the support and the training to actually use those. I just, I love talking about literacy. I love supporting and encouraging teachers. And so I'm so excited to just talk about all things literacy today. I live in Florida with my husband and I share my at-home office with two great Danes who are peacefully sleeping behind yeah. me right now. But if they happen to bark, um, hopefully they'd leave us alone. So yeah, that's a little was, bit about me. I was going to say, I don't hear the dogs at all. That's they spend most of the time sleeping during the day. They've got like their witching hours at the end of the really? day. Usually usually like 4 to 5 p.m. is when they wake up and get active. So I try not to do too many podcasts oh, in the afternoon. Oh, that's hilarious. <laughs> I didn't know that about great. And if you are enjoying this podcast, you need to thank Sarah because she's the one that was like, Beth, you got to do it after our episode. She just encouraged me with it. So, well, and I'm glad that you decided to, because your podcast is filled with just so much wonderful information and tidbits for all teachers, but really ELL teachers. So I'm glad you decided to start yours. Well, it was a good encouragement and it's been fun. So make sure to check out Sarah's as well. We'll link it in the show notes at the end. All right. We are going to dive in because we do have a lot to cover. So let's start with first The term of this year, we know every year in education, things are always, there's a new hot term, hot topic. And this year, if you have not heard of science reading, then you probably haven't read anything related (laughs) to education because that term is absolutely everywhere. So let's talk. Can you just briefly share with us what is the science of reading? Why is it important, especially when it comes to, you know, EL students and teachers? Yeah, absolutely. And just for some context, I did an entire podcast episode that explains what the science of reading is. So I'm going to try to yeah. condense that because I know we've got <laughs> other things to talk about. But if you want to hear more, we hopefully yes. best we can link to that. We can link that um, for sure. Yeah. So the science of reading is that term, the science of reading really refers to the body of research that explains how the human brain learns to read. And it pulls research from educational psychology, cognitive psychology, neuroscience, linguistics. It has been around for you know 20 plus years. It's very comprehensive. It's extremely fascinating. It's the research, you know, it's not a curriculum, it's not a program. It's the research that, you know, we in education we should be referring back to when we're checking our teaching practices. And ultimately, you know, there's a couple different models that explain to it, but really what science of reading is, is the research is helping us figure out how do we create skilled readers. That is the end goal. And the end goal is students who can read texts fluently with complete comprehension. You know, they 
understand what they're reading. You know, that is what skilled readers is. And we get there by combining, you know, making sure students have the tools for word recognition and language comprehension. So there's really kind of two sides or two elements that go into this like mixture of trying to create a skilled reader. You know, students have to have word recognition, which means they need to be able to decode words. They need to be able to see, you know, have a strong understanding of like phonological awareness. They need to be able to automatically that sight word recognition. So the word recognition is a huge part of becoming a skilled reader. And then the language comprehension is another side of it. And if you don't have one or the other, you have no hope of becoming a skilled reader. You know, if you are missing those core sort of phonics skills, it doesn't matter how many times you read the text over or how many different comprehension strategies you apply. If you are missing the ability to read words, you are not going to become a skilled reader. And similarly, if you have really strong word recognition skills, but you don't have strong vocabulary, you are missing background knowledge, you don't have verbal reasoning, you're going to you know, miss out on the opportunity to become skilled a skilled reader. And so the two of them are really essential in the way they work together. And there is a visual that I think really helps teachers understand how these two elements work together. And it is called Scarborough's Reading Rope. And I wish this was a video so I could show you, but go Google it if you need to see this. But envision a rope. And if you think about a rope, a rope has two strands that are constantly woven together. And these strands, you know, if you weave them tighter, the rope becomes stronger. And within this reading rope, we have a lower strand and that lower strand we think of as word recognition. And that lower strand has substrands. So within word recognition, we've got phonological awareness, we've got decoding, and we've got sight word recognition. And so we need to work on building those strands, you know, those little elements. So that way students have word recognition skills. But then we have this upper strand, which is language comprehension, which I know we're going to be digging into deep into this episode, but that covers things like background knowledge, vocabulary, language structures, verbal reasoning, and literacy knowledge. So all of these elements need to be woven together to create the upper strand. So as we weave these together, our students grow into becoming skilled readers. And the thing that I love most about this visual is that a lot of times we think of our reading instruction as building blocks, right? I'm going to teach phonics and then I'm going to add vocabulary on top of that. And then I'm going to add fluency on top of that. And then I'm going to add comprehension. But ultimately what we want to do is we want to continuously work on these skills. So our students are weaving them together. Cause if you know, a rope, you're constantly weaving the lower strand with the upper strand over and over and over again. And that's really how we want to approach our literacy instruction is that we're not just teaching phonics and then moving on. We're not just teaching vocabulary and moving on. We're constantly building on what our students know and really improving all aspects of reading from kindergarten all the way up to 12th grade. That's kind of what the science of reading is. Hey, no, that was a really concise but powerful way to help us understand a little bit better about that. I I forgot the why is this important, especially for ELL students. And okay, so the thing that I love about this rope is that it really provides a roadmap for how to support students, especially if they're struggling with reading. So, you know, for our ELL students, if they come in and they, you know, there's maybe language gaps, whether it is not able to actually read the words, or I know in a lot of cases, ELL students can be very fluent readers, but they are maybe lacking some of like the language comprehension side of things. You know, the the reading rope and really the elements that we see in the science of reading, it can really provide a lot of specific guidance for teachers on what what do students need in order to become skilled readers. So it really is our roadmap of how to support all students, but especially students who might struggle with reading. Hey, teachers. 
I'm interrupting this episode to ask you a quick question. How different would your life be if you could confidently plan effective and engaging lessons for your yellow students in a fraction of the time? I created my membership equipping ELLs to do just that. When you join, you gain instant access to the exact resources you need, proven and prepped for you, plus a supportive private community of like-minded educators. Join us today at www.equippingells.com. Now back to the episode. I love that. I love that visual because I think so often we spend, even if we have a fifth grade newcomer come in who's an ELL student, we start and spend so much time making sure they have the phonics, the phonemic awareness, the sight words before we give them any concrete comprehension skills. And really what you're saying is it's a a woven approach of starting with both and constantly coming back to both that, that word recognition, plus adding in those key language comprehensions. You know, that's so crucial to that skill, to creating skilled readers. Otherwise we have students who get so bored or are don't, or just lacking all of that background knowledge. That well, really and I think ultimately it's like, we want students to apply all of these like elements at the same time. You know, it's when students are reading a text, we want them to be able to read the words and like not have to sound out every individual word, but we want them to like, you know, vocabulary, like automatically recognize words. We want them to know how to like access prior knowledge that's going to help them with the text. We want them to be able to make inferences. All of it comes together. So rather than teaching things in isolation, we need to really constantly just show students how do all of these elements help us when we're reading. Yes, absolutely. I love that. And I know the people who are listening to this are agreeing because they are are facing that struggle of when do I work on sight words? When do I work on phonics? When do I work on comprehension? When And there's not a lot of time. So that stress of feeling like they're not doing enough or you're not covering it all. I, th- I love that having a path of here's what we need to do. Here's how we reach it. So I know that all teachers, including ELL teachers, want their students to be successful. We all want our students. We, you know, any teacher knows that if you can unlock readers, you unlock everything for these students. And so we know that becoming skilled readers is so crucial and part of our jobs. Why does it still feel like such a challenge? Even if we can see the path on how to get them there, like you were describing with that reading group, what, why does there feel like there's still so many hindrances and, and just a lot of confusion around this topic? Yeah. And I I mean, I think it's like one of those things where it's like, you can, somebody can tell you, it's like, Hey, this is how we create skilled readers, you know, word recognition and language comprehension. And if you put those two things together, your students are going to be skilled readers. And it sounds so simple, but (laughs) actually putting it into practice is a challenge. And I think part of it is, and, you know, I'm, I think through this a lot through like an upper elementary teacher perspective, but I think a lot of ELL teachers experience the same thing, you know, and I think there's really like two challenges that, teachers in upper elementary or ELL teachers experience. And the first challenge is, is a lot of times you have students that are going to come to you with gaps in their word recognition, even language comprehension skills, you know, so they don't have the tools needed to be able to read and access and understand the text that they are reading, which means that becoming a skilled reader is going to be challenging. So there's kind of a gap in the students like foundation. And in some cases, it's like, okay, like upper elementary teachers specifically and, and the ELL, you know, teachers, it might be a little bit different. I'm not sure you'll have to like sort of give me some insight, but I know a lot of upper elementary teachers 
communicate to me. They're like, I've never taught phonics. Like, I don't know how to help students build that foundation. So yeah, my students come to me and there's these gaps, but I don't understand. Like, I don't have the tools, the support, the training, the curriculum my school has given me doesn't have the tools to like fill that in. So then teachers are sort of left wondering, how do I fill these gaps? So that's kind of a challenge. But I think another challenge that we often overlook is that as students progress through education, texts become more increasingly complex. And you might have a student that, you know, was successful in reading in first grade and second grade, you know, they, they have that phonics foundation, and they can even comprehend and understand text at the basic level. But when texts become more complex, more multisyllabic words, more complex sentences, you know, students haven't been able to figure out how do I transfer these basic skills to more complex texts? You know, and so then they start to struggle in third, fourth, and fifth grade or ELL students who have been maybe fine in the lower grades because language is a lot more simple and basic. Once they get into upper elementary, it's like, wait, language got really complex all of a sudden. And I still have not become a master at it. So I can't quite figure it out. So I think with these two challenges, I, I love how the science of reading, I think, supports both of these because, like I said, it, you know, it really gives us a roadmap and shows us to figure out. So it's like if you struggle or if you have a student, you're like, okay, the student is struggling with word recognition, there is now a ton of like resources and support and tools that can help even upper elementary or ELL students learn how to provide, you know, phonics lessons, phonics-based lessons to their students. And then even like the language comprehension side of things, which I know we're going to get into, but I think just the fact that like the science of reading is such a trending term right now, I, I think we need to just view this as like a gift for literacy teachers because the opportunities to learn and just understand are so great right now. So even with those challenges, I feel like, you know, sort of like leaning into like, what is the science of reading that's telling us to do? They can help kind of address and solve both of those challenges. Yeah, absolutely. And I, I think you're hitting it spot on with the challenges that many of our ESL teachers face because with you know, K one, two, if they're supporting those grade levels, they're visually rich classrooms, you know, that simple text, even thinking of, you know, when I was working with my daughter and something that we, I many times use with my students was, Oh, look at the picture. Use the picture of sound of the word. Well, great. When that picture's not there, when they're in third, fourth, fifth grade, reading harder text, that strategy is meaningless. <laughs> yep. <laughs> and so realizing, you know, these strategies we were teaching kids that really are not transferable when it gets more difficult is not helping them become skilled readers. And so I know many of our te- our listeners here, our teachers, they really have that struggle of when those students are older, you know, what do we do? Because they haven't really built up those skills that help them to apply and transfer what they've been learning when they were in the younger grades, because a lot of it was so handheld and given to them and and language rich. So I can't wait to dive in because that's what we're going to really be focusing on right now. So let's talk, we're going to focus on the language comprehension piece, because this is really critical. I know many listeners right now, you know, you are working with students who've been in the country for years. Maybe they were born in the US, they're second language learners, but they've been in the program for, you know, we call them our long-term ELLs. They've been in the program for four, five, six, seven years. And really just that reading and writing piece is really what is keeping them from advancing. And a lot of it comes down to this language comprehension piece. So this is going to be a topic that really is going to be so extremely helpful. So let's get into that. First, can you just break down each element of language comprehension? 
and provide a few specific examples of what that might look like in the classroom. Yeah, absolutely. And I, this is one of the things that I have enjoyed so much about like learning about the science of reading is, you know, figuring out first of all, what are these things, but then like, how can we practically apply it? Cause I think, you know, like I said, the science of reading is like the body of research. So there's tons of research out there, but then it's like, you can read that and you're like, okay, what does that look like? What do I need to do on Monday with my students to put this into practice? So language comprehension is, you know, one of the critical parts of becoming skilled readers. And there are five elements of language comprehension. So the first sort of substrand of language comprehension is this idea of background knowledge. And background knowledge, I feel like is, this is not like a new concept concept for teachers. You know, we've talked about this before, but the thing that I think is sort of important and kind of one of the, I had like an aha moment when I was, you know, researching and learning about this. So first of all, basic definition, background knowledge refers to, you know, facts, concepts, ideas, information, anything that is necessary and essential to understanding a specific text. And one of the things that I think often gets confused is we use the terms background knowledge and prior knowledge interchangeably but they're not necessarily the same. So if we think about prior knowledge, that really is the information that the students are bringing to the learning experience. But background knowledge is really text dependent. And it is the information that students need to have in order to understand that specific text. So it might be vocabulary terms. It might be, you know, an understanding of where a location is. It might be, you know, kind of some information on like the events that have happened. It might be, you know, facts or concepts or, you know, the problem presented in the text. So whatever the text is about, we got to kind of have to think, what do our students need to know in order to understand and, you know, process this text. And in some cases, students might have enough of their own prior knowledge to kind of cover this area of background knowledge. But in other cases, teachers are going to have to really be intentional about providing students with appropriate background knowledge so that way they can understand the topic of the text. Wow. I love that. Yeah. That's a lot to think about because there is a difference. You know, a Mm -hmm. lot of times I approach that as background knowledge is, okay, what are our students bringing to this? You know, what's their understanding before we get into this text? But I love that difference of that's prior knowledge. That's what they bring. What do we have to do? Because especially a lot of our, you know, our ELL students, if we're doing different topics that they might not have that background knowledge in or not in English, maybe they have it in their native language. So there's a lot of different ways that we can think about how do we really tap into their prior knowledge, but also do activities that help to build that background knowledge. Yeah. And a a really practical way to do this. And this is an idea that Nancy Hennessy, she's the author of the comprehension blueprint, which is a great book to read if you're just wanting to like dig in and learn more, but she has this framework for background knowledge that I just love. It is the ABCs of background knowledge. So she talks about when you're thinking about background knowledge, you want to be able to activate and assess background knowledge. You want to build background knowledge, and then you want to connect to existing background knowledge or prior knowledge. So activate, build, and then connect. And some really easy things to do this. And again, these are not like these ideas. I feel like teachers are probably like, oh yeah, I've done that. But trying to sort of like think, be a little more intentional and maybe do all of these together. So to activate, you could do something like a KWL chart, asking students what they already know. And that's going to also help you assess and figure out what do they know. You could provide a statement from a text on the topic and ask students if they agree or disagree and have them and explain why. So that's going to help you, you know, figure out what do they know about this topic and, you know, how are they able to communicate it? So that's a really easy way to activate and assess what students know. You could do these before a read aloud, before any science, social studies experience, you know, 
know, any small group lesson, anytime there's a text involved, you can do those things and they're quick too. You know, you don't have to have students create a chart and write everything down. You could even talk through a KWL chart. But then you also, so activating is one part, but we don't want to stop there because remember, we have to make sure we're building the background knowledge so students have enough information to understand the text. And building background knowledge can happen all throughout the reading process. It can happen before, it can happen during, and it can even happen after to help sort of like synthesize it. This might be explicitly teaching vocabulary terminology that you think might be new or foreign to your students. This might be providing your students with pictures, images, maps, artifacts, videos, anything that's going to support and kind of help them preview information in the text. It could even be stopping at a teachable moment in the text to make sure that students are understanding the topic. So just this idea that we are really thinking through what do students have to understand, you know, about this topic in order to comprehend the text. And then we're doing that throughout the entire reading process. And then the last one is connecting to existing the prior knowledge. And that could kind of happen at the end. And I think that's helping students just being aware of their thinking. So even giving students like a sentence stem, I used to think, but now I think. So that is helping them identify what did they know about the topic? And now that they've sort of read it and learned about it, what have they done? What have they learned that they can add on to their existing prior knowledge? Or also doing something like finding a text or reading multiple texts on the same topic. So trying to think about thematic you know, planning. So in your nonfiction units, when you're teaching, you know, nonfiction, try to find all of your nonfiction texts around a science topic or a social studies topic, or, you know, something to where students are reading multiple texts, but every time they're reading a text, they can connect it to something that they already know. Yeah. Oh, I love that. I love that too. I mean, dismantling some of the things that we thought of not just make thinking that building background has to happen at the beginning, but it really happens and can be weaved throughout the whole lesson that you're doing. I love that. Yeah, absolutely. And I think, I mean, for me, it's like, I think about like, I used to do KWL charts, but then I kind of stopped. <laughs> like that was, that was it. And I didn't then take, okay, this is what they know. Now let me add to it before we start reading. So they have more background knowledge before we read the text. So I love that whole sort of just activate, build and connect when we think. And about I love knowledge. that, that synthesizing part at the end of, I used to think this, now I think this, I think that's so critical. That was like one of my favorite, like sort of like exit ticket <laughs> anytime we end a lesson because it, it's authentic and it, it allows students to be like, this is what I, this is what I knew. This is what I learned, you know, and it's just an easy way to see what, what do kids actually understand about this topic? I love that. Excellent. All right. Let's keep going with this list of our elements of language comprehension. What's next? The next element is vocabulary. And, you know, when we think of vocabulary, that's again, not a term that is like new, but <laughs> I think we not, for sort of, ESL yep, not for ESL students. <laughs> so really like vocabulary, you know, within the context of language comprehension refers to the words that we need to communicate with each other and understand what we read or what we hear. So again, it's like, if somebody's having a conversation with you, if you are reading a story, if you are listening to a story, do you understand the words that are being spoken or included in the text? And when we think about helping our students develop their vocabularies, and I feel like this is this was a, another sort of like aha for me, but we really want to consider three things. We want to think about the breadth, which is the size of their vocabulary. So how many words do they know? And obviously we want to improve that, but also we want to think about the depth. So like the extent of their word knowledge, if they know a word, do they also know synonyms, antonyms? Do they know specific, you know, content specific words? Like how deep does their vocabulary go? But then this next element, I think is something we often forget. And that is fluency. And when we think about fluency, fluency really is sort of, we think of it a lot of times as an isolated concept, but fluency really covers all of these because when it, it relates to vocabulary, ultimately 
when we are teaching vocabulary, we want students to be able to quickly access the meaning of the word, you know, that they see it. So if a student can read a word, that's great. If they spell a word, that's great. But if they can't quickly access the meaning of the word, it doesn't matter how many words they can read and spell. So we want to make sure that when we're teaching vocabulary, we're also sort of bringing in this fluency element that when students learn words, they also then can, you know, not memorize them, but use them enough to where they become automatic. So these three things are really sort of important when we're thinking about vocabulary instruction. When you're thinking of like just how to structure your vocabulary instruction, there's kind of three things that you want to focus on. And that is one, exposing students to new words. And that can happen during a read aloud. That can happen during independent reading. That can happen during science, social studies, anywhere. You can expose students to new words in any sort of way. You want to explicitly teach them individual words. So again, thinking back to like background knowledge, if there are specific words that students need in order to understand a topic, a text, or content that we're explicitly teaching individual words... But then we also want to teach students strategies that are going to help them uncover the meaning of new words, because the reality of it is, is we are limited with the amount of time that we have to focus on vocabulary. We cannot teach our students every single word they're going to encounter. We can't even teach them like every single like prefix, suffix, root, like even word parts. And so we need to give students tools that are going to help them when they see an unfamiliar word. They're like, wait a minute. I have some tools that I can use to figure that out. And some of those tools are teaching students roots, teaching them affixes. So they understand word parts and they understand the meaning, but even teaching students like the the five different types of context clues. So that way, when they see a sentence, they can use the context and look for clues around that word, whether it's the sentence, the paragraph, the entire page to help them figure out, okay, how is this word used? And even like understanding like parts of speech, right? So if a word in a sentence plays the role of an adjective, they need to understand that. So that way they can, you know, understand the the role of that word if they need to come up with a synonym. So making sure that students have these strategies to where they can then understand the meaning of any word they encounter. In terms of a practical application, one of the routines that I love, and this is a routine that I actually did when I was in the classroom. It is like a favorite of teachers in my membership. And I actually have a free sample that I would love to share with your teachers, but it It is a word of the week routine. And this routine can be, it's quick, it's simple, and it can be modified to encompass a wide range of skills. But basically what you're doing is you are picking a word and you're showing it to your students in context. And it could be a word from your read aloud. It could be a word from your science or social studies text, or it could be a word that I've included in this resource. Once you kind of see the routine, you're like, oh, I can do this with any word. But it's a word used in context and students are going to read the word in the paragraph. They're going to you know, figure out the types of clues presented in context that help them figure out the meaning. Maybe they notice that there's a list of synonyms. Maybe they notice the author gives an example. Maybe they realize that the definition of that word is actually included in a sentence, you know, later on in the paragraph. And then they use those clues to predict the meaning. And that kind of happens on day one. And then day two, students do a deep dive into the word, because again, it's not just about learning the meaning of a word, it's going deeper. So they look at synonyms, they look at antonyms. This helps with like the depth of their vocabulary. They look at the part of speech. So they, you know, see, did my prediction based off of the contents actually make sense? And then they, you know, dig deep into the word. And then the next day they create an image that is going to help them, you know, remember the meaning of the word. And then they use it in a sentence. And so they just interact with this word all throughout the week. And it maybe takes like five to seven minutes a day. So it's a really simple way just to focus on words and word study, but then you can 
modify that to become like a root of the week where you're focusing on a specific root or an affix of the week where the word has a specific prefix or suffix. And they're now looking at specific word parts and how word parts can help them with the meaning. So it's a really just good sort of like core word study routine that can help you bring in so many different vocabulary elements that will help with breadth, depth, and fluency. Oh, I love that. And I know the listeners are going to love that freebie. We'll post that in the show notes, but I just love that as a, I mean, even a quick daily warm up that you're saying five to seven minutes, but the strategies that the students will take away from that can be applied, you know, for years to come. So I think that that's really powerful. Thank you for joining me in today's episode. All links and resources mentioned can be found in the show notes. If you're looking for even more support and done for you resources created specifically for the needs of ELLs, head to inspiringyounglearners.com. I'll catch you here next week. Until then, take that next step to keep equipping your ELLs.